welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben DuBose, and I'm a staff writer with Codings Pro Magazine and with Materials Performance Magazine. Today, in our latest AMP podcast, we're chatting with Leslie Martinez, manager of conferences at AMP. We just wrapped up the Corrosion 2021 virtual show, and now that COVID restrictions are starting to be eased in a lot of places, we should have a fairly busy few months ahead as it pertains to events in the corrosion and protective coatings industry. Leslie, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ben, for having me today. Yeah, thanks for coming back. And I think a good place to start our discussion before we talk about what's to come, let's look back to the uh, Corrosion 2021 virtual, which of course took place from April 19th through April 30th, available now in an on-demand format if you were a registrant. So uh, Leslie, as we look back, just any numbers you have, general thoughts, how did this go the first time that we've done a major virtual event? Uh, you know, I, I thought the event uh, did really well. Uh, you know, it's two weeks of content, um, you know, where we had over 500 speakers, um, over 3,000 attendees. And, you know, during those two weeks, like 9,000 connections were made, whether mm -hmm. that was attendee to attendee or attendee to exhibitor. And, um, you know, something that we've always that we've been hearing with the with virtual events and meetings is that you just don't have the connection you don't have that networking and yes it is different but during those two weeks there was over 27,000 messages exchanged whether that was in the sessions or even private chats amongst individuals so a lot of connecting a lot of you know good activity that went on those two weeks during the event what were some of the highlights what were some of the things that you really i don't know enjoyed from your perspective you know, from a staff perspective, I loved being able to actually sit in on these sessions. You know, mm. when we're on site, I, you know, there, we have a lot of interesting content that I don't get to watch because, you know, I'm going right. from here to there. But because of virtual, I actually got to listen in um, to these, um, like to some of the forums and some of the symposia. And even if I missed it, I could go back and play it. So that was, for me, that was something that was really exciting to be a part of. What type of feedback did you all get as far as the attendee experience and I suppose the sponsors as well? I know a lot of people, I don't know if apprehension is the right word, but there was certainly a little bit of uncertainty as it pertains to going virtual. What did you hear from the sort of user experience of this? You know, a lot of what we heard was um, the ease of use of this platform. Um, you know that was some that was one of the reasons why we chose it it was mm -hmm. it, we found it to be very intuitive um, easy to get you know to move through and that was a lot of the same feedback that we got from attendees I also heard from attendees that you know that we were kind of hearing it before we started that they were looking forward to being able to watch all the content that they wanted mm -hmm. um, virtually versus you know when you're in person if there's two simultaneous sessions you can't do that you know you can't be two places at once so that virtual allowed them to watch one session and then go back and um, and then watch whatever they missed. Uh, and two, it's again, like what I talked about, just the connections, still, they, people still reached out to, you know, their, their colleagues that they would see, or, you know, the peers that they would see at the in-person event, they were able to find them um, and have conversations, schedule video chats during, um, during the event. You know, especially going virtual, you, just worldwide like with work you mm -hmm. you have so much you have to do and like setting aside time for a conference it allowed you to take that time to actually connect with people um and so i i think just that that was a big part of the feedback that i heard is just 
yeah being able to connect and just the ease of the platform and um so yeah that was a lot of what we heard so far yeah when we had you on in march a few weeks before this started one thing we talked about a fairly common theme was that it would be a lot easier for the international crowd because obviously travel logistics time zones being able to participate virtually in theory is a boon for them is that sort of how it played out did you see a lot of you know positive reception from the international community yes absolutely um over 30 percent of our attendees were um yeah. were international so we had over a thousand people were international um for our event which like i think i said the last time we typically have about 20 percent of our total attendee base is international so mm -hmm. the fact that we were having more um more international attendees was really exciting for us yeah and what can be viewed on demand i mean for them or i guess for anybody for that matter i'm assuming pretty much everything is available and for how long does this run yeah, you know, almost everything is available. Most of the content still is going to be available until the 31st. So anything that is um, the technical symposia, mm -hmm. the um, the forums, any of the community sessions and awards, those gotcha. will be available to October 31st. The research sessions, so the research in progress and the RTS sessions, those unfortunately are not available um, uh, until October 31st, but everything else is still available now to mm -hmm. watch until that point. And just from a technology perspective, I'm assuming everything went as sort of planned. I mean, you touched on this earlier with regards to uh, the user experience, but I'm assuming the technology held up. You doing this for the first time, basically, uh, did everything that you wanted it to do with these? Yes, it did. I mean, um, you know, we had some technical glitches here and there, um, but they were sorted out pretty quickly. and. Um, in instances where we had to pivot, we were able to do it. You know, we had hired a great production company that really helped us um, pull that off and mitigate some of those issues that had come up or, you know, could have, could have potentially come up. So that really helped us a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and overall, I just, I had a very positive experience um, from the logistical aspect of it, from behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as you know, with anything, you know, a lot of stuff can go wrong, but I, right. I feel like it, it went off very well and it, there was minimal issues that we that we had seen during the week and I at least from my standpoint when we there were you know technology issues within a live session the attendees were really great about it they just said oh, okay you know it looks like they're having some issues and they stayed you know we didn't see a lot mm -hmm. of people drop drop off from any of those sessions that had issues they hung around until it was resolved and you know they continued with that session so that was exciting for that was exciting for me to see yeah to not, definitely you know, to not have people like drop off and just forget about <laughs> it completely so sure um any words of advice that you might have for either you know someone that's planning this type of event or i suppose someone attending it for the first time as well was there anything about this that i don't know surprised you caught you off guard that you learned from it just sort of if you could explain any words of advice that you might have to either a planner or an attendee that's going through this virtual process for the first time. Sure. Um, you know, I would say to a planner, stick to your deadlines. Um, for virtual, there is a lot that goes on kind of behind the scenes and making sure that that all the information is uploaded correctly, is um, promoted correctly, you know, um, just out there in the universe. 
And mm -hmm. so sticking to your deadlines is very, very key. Um, and in terms of the attendees, um, what I would tell them is that, you know, if an event opens up early, you know, before it starts, get in there early and browse around so that you're not logging in on the first day or before the very first session you want to watch and you're having technical issues, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I would say get in there early, play around. Um, you know, as long as an organizer lets you in, dive in and do it as much as you can. And then again, to go back to the organizers, um, sorry to jump around, but to educate attendees yeah. and exhibitors, those that are participating. I realize there's a lot of email fatigue and everyone is very busy, sure. but to educate, educate, educate on how the platform works and what is expected of them, um, whether it's speakers or exhibitors or even attendees, educating the attendees on how they can um, take part in the event. Yeah, definitely. I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, we're talking now with Leslie Martinez, manager of conferences at AMP. and. Besides this being the first virtual conference that we've done, it's also the first show that was held since the AMP merger between NACE and SSPC. Obviously, incorporating the SSPC audience, that's very codings heavy. I know this was still NACE corrosion. We'll talk in a little bit about the AMP conference and expo, which is in March 2022, which is the first one truly as AMP. But at the same time, this was the first big event held since the merger so besides going virtual another thing was sort of trying to be mindful of the different audience and i'm curious from your perspective what the integration was like because obviously we want to be sensitive not that we weren't already but to the desires mm -hmm. of people in the uh coatings industry some of our contractors i know we had some events like the protective coatings workshop to in particular, reach out to that crowd. And I'm sure throughout 2021, when we're planning events, we're gonna be taking their interest into consideration. But just talk, if you could, from your perspective about trying to make sure that this event tied in, not just with our traditional audience at NACE, but also with our new audience from the merger with SSPC. Yeah, no, absolutely. So as you mentioned, we had the protective coatings workshop and we ended up adding a session around the um, the QP program mm -hmm. um, for this crowd, you know, to for the legacy SSPC members, but also to educate our legacy NACE members. Um, and, you know, we tried to do some targeted um, promotions to mm -hmm. that membership that just solely focused on the coatings program that we had for 21. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, those were some of the things that we did, but obviously, as you said, for 22, because it's going to be the first year that we're combined, we're definitely ramping up a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of what we're having to yeah. offer in terms of uh, the coatings industry. So let's transition to talking about the events that are coming up. Certainly we'll get to uh, the AMP Conference and Expo March 2022 already mentioned that, but we have a few things coming up over the summer as well. I know with COVID restrictions being eased, we're going to start doing more in person. We've talked a lot about sort of the virtual experience so far, but at the same time, it's sort of a delicate balance because while it gives you more opportunities, I'm sure, especially here in the States, there's a lot of enthusiasm for uh, getting back to the in-person events that we had until March 2020. So how much enthusiasm have you sensed talking to, you know, the various stakeholders within AMP, within the industry that I know you deal with regularly? How much enthusiasm have you sensed for some of these summer events getting back to more of an in-person format? 
you know, I there's a lot of um, enthusiasm to get back into person. There's, you know, some hesitation, rightfully so. You know, sure. we've been essentially locked down for a year in regards to events. Um, but there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm around to being in person and pressing the flesh and, see, you know, enjoying time with one another. Um, and we have our first event in June. It's the Bring on the Heat event that's going to take place in um, Pasadena, Texas, that we're really excited to have, you know, because the last in-person event we had was in February of, la of 2020. So yeah. it's been over a year now, I know, exactly. So we finally get to be back in person um, with Bring on the Heat. Um, so it's something we're really excited yeah. about. How do you sort of strike the balance between, of course, we want to get back to normal and the in-person format that a lot of people crave, and God, I can't believe it's been that long now, 15 months, it's crazy, <laughs> but, you know, there's also the advantage of virtual with logistics, the international audience, the fact that the information can be accessed on demand how much of a virtual component do you anticipate some of these events having? You know, is there a world in which, you know, we get back to the in-person that a lot of us feel like we need for networking purposes and other reasons, yet also you have some technological accessibility through having it virtual? How do you sort of strike the balance between the two? You know, that is a really good question. Um, for the foreseeable future, there's definitely going to be a virtual component, particularly for mm -hmm. international events. Um, but something to keep in mind, too, is that there are some, you know, like seminars or workshops that we've done where virtual just makes more sense than actually having it in person. Mm. Um, one of that, for example, it's just the MR0175 and ISO 15156 uh, mm. virtual workshop that we do. That has such an international um, audience or um you know, that can participate in that event that we saw that we have actually been more successful in offering it virtually so we can broaden our reach for that workshop. Um, but then in some of the cases uh, where we can go back to in-person, some of those events just make more sense to be in-person and we're not going to have a virtual component to it just because yeah. they don't tend to get an international crowd. So it's going to be more of a, a, a local event, whether it's just local to a particular city or a state or country and then um, so in some of those cases we'll, we'll just we'll keep those in person but where it makes sense um, where we know we're going to have an inner we can have a bigger international presence we will add a, uh, a virtual component if it makes sense yeah as far as events coming up over the summer you mentioned bring on the heat out in mm -hmm. uh, Pasadena just outside Houston uh, there's a few others. I'm looking on the events calendar. Uh, certainly the area conferences, uh, MPI Commercial Coatings Summit. What are generally, I, I suppose, number one, the highlights of the events? And you already discussed this, but what's the criteria you look at when you're determining sort of what's virtual, what's in person, what's a hybrid? You know, how do you all look at these events and determine, you know, what fits where? And I'm sure some of this, by the way, is subject to, you know, change. You're obviously monitoring conditions, all that sort of stuff. But when you're looking at these events, what is it that tells you guys, okay, this makes sense for virtual and this makes sense for an in-person? Sure. You know, some of it is going to have to do with the restrictions for mm -hmm. the city that is hosting the event. Um uh, just like for example, like with Bring on the Heat and with the Central Area Conference, both of those were 
those events are located, uh, we don't have the same type of restrictions that we had in the last year. Mm -hmm. So they are open capacity. We are able to host a conference without having to um, limit our attendee base. The yeah. MPI Summit right now is in Washington, D.C. We are limited to the number of people that we can have in person. We'll gotcha. be honest, we are hoping those restrictions are lifted. Sure. Um, but we are offering that um, a, a hybrid component to that event. Um, because of those restrictions. Um, we've had people express that they want to be in person, but then we also have people express that they want to participate in this. It's an inaugural event, but they can only do it virtually. So we're offering it hybrid for that one. Yeah. So again, like I said, it's just, it just based on the city and state wherever the event is located. Yeah. And then uh, CTW, Corrosion Technology Week, which is in October, I assume that is scheduled for an in-person since that's uh, Houston this year, right? Correct, correct. Gotcha. That is scheduled um, in person, and they're looking at ways of, uh, you know, how we can still uh, bring in people virtually mm -hmm. if possible. It's not going to have the platform that we had, like, for corrosion, but yeah. um, if there's a way to look at bringing in, that's being investigated. Yeah. Of course, the really big shows still a few months away, uh, Codings Plus in December, and then, as we touched on earlier, uh, the AMP Conference and Expo in March, which um, really we're already fairly deep into planning. We just put up a story on our websites uh, yesterday about the call for abstracts period being open right now. Um, when it comes to these big shows, what are some of the sort of the key dates and milestones, the, the calendar, if you will, that folks need to be aware of uh, in 2021 as we start um, down the road of planning those? Yeah, no, absolutely. So Codings Plus, the um, the abstract submission is closed, but we can expect to see the program coming up in the coming months. Like, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be published in July, and the uh, Codings Pro magazine, the advanced program as well, it's going to yep. be uh, uploaded to their website. Um, and in July, registration is going to open for that event. Yep. For... Um, for AMP Annual Conference and Expo for 2022, the call for abstracts, as you mentioned, is open until May 31st. That um, that's We have 46 technical symposia that individuals can submit a, an abstract to. Uh, for anybody that's interested in any of our research sessions or even the student mm -hmm. poster session, that um, that will open up later this fall, those, those call for abstracts. Yeah. Um, and then registration is going to open for that event this coming October. So from a very high-level perspective, what's different about the AMP Conference and Expo relative to corrosion? Obviously, I know you're looking at it as sort of this, the same time frame, once a year in the spring, the big industry event, but now that NACE and SSPC have merged, you obviously want to make sure that it's distinctive from our prior NACE branding. What is that process like as far as determining how you're trying to market and brand this event as, I don't know, somewhat different than corrosion so that you can show that we're, you know, representing not just the NACE crowd, but the SSPC as well. Talk, if you could, about just the sort of the overall branding and marketing of the AMP Conference and Expo and what's different about that relative to the corrosion that everyone is used to. Yeah, well, you know, um, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, we're bringing in more um, like coatings content, um, right. and I think in some instances, we're actually looking to 
you know, just around certain industries. For example, we have a bridges and infrastructure symposia that is actually dealing with coatings and corrosion. Um, you know, I think in the past we've kept everything very separate. Um, and now some of the instances in terms of the technical program, we're looking to actually kind of combine that. Um, in terms of like the exhibit hall, we're bringing in, um, we're adding some features to that this year, um, like with a heavy equipment area that we're going to have. Um, and then we're trying to also bring in, um, we've got an AMP Connect, so like a hosted buyer program that we've never done before and that we're hoping to do for AMP, um, you know, you know, for this 2022 event um, that you know, brings in qualified buyers and so it like really bring, connects people to hopefully do business, you know, in our exhibit hall. Um, and then, you know, we're also trying to bring in partnerships. This year we had a partnership with ASM International. They did a couple of short courses for us mm -hmm. and also looking to bring in um, partnerships with other associate, you know, sister associations, if you will, mm -hmm. um, to bring in content uh, for next year. Sounds good. Um... Wrapping up here with Leslie Martinez, Manager of Conferences at AMP. Uh, for anyone listening that wants more information on AMP events or perhaps they want to offer feedback, they have questions, whatever it may be, what's the best place that they can go? Where, what are some of the resources available to them? Yeah, so if they're interested in um, any of the events or even contacting any of us, I think the best place to go to would be the website. It's uh, www.ampamp.com slash events. Um, anyone, any of the conferences staff that is the main contact for those events are listed on those pages, so you can find that full list on that amp.com slash events URL link. Yeah. Um, and so that would be the best place that I could suggest to go. Yeah, amp.org, not .com, right? Dot .org, yes, dot .org. Go. Yes, dot .org, thank you. <laughs> no worries, just just thank wanted you. to clarify, because I was like, uh, wow, yes, is there some yes, site that I'm not aware of? Yeah, okay. Nope, nope, dot .org, yes, sorry Okay, about that. perfect. All right, folks, well, that's where we will leave things today. Uh, if you want more information, Leslie mentioned the AMP website, ampp.org. Uh, you can also, of course, visit coatingspromag.com and materialsperformance.com for all sorts of news and events related to protective coatings, corrosion control, what have you. Also, if you weren't able to see our live award ceremonies from the Corrosion 2021 virtual show, at least for those of us in pubs, those were among the highlights. Uh, the Contractor Awards for CP, the Corrosion Innovation Awards for MP, you can check those out through our websites and social media, and of course, uh, view it on demand through the Corrosion virtual platform as well. With that, we'll sign off. For Leslie Martinez, I'm Ben DuBose. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast. Calling all Coatings contractors. We have a great resource for you. Coatings Pro Magazine provides you with the latest news, trends, and technologies for your coating needs. And the best part? It's completely free to anyone who signs up. Simply visit CoatingsProMag.com slash subscribe. Coatings Pro. Know what the pros know.